following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It Podcast with Brittany Page and Jesse Dallimore. Welcome to Ye Old Program, I Doubted Podcast. I am your host, Jesse Dollimore, joined today by the lovely, the talented, the scholarly, Brittany Page, everybody. I sound like I just woke up. It is because you did. It's because I just woke up. <laughs> but we are <laughs> not going to let that stop us. Oh, I love openers like that. <laughs> we are going to proceed, as I say. And everything's going to be great. (laughs) Will not be a low energy Jeb. You will not be a low energy Jeb. No, I will not. I oftentimes, sometimes I know what we're going to talk about in the opener. And I didn't this time. (laughs) And that one, uh, I hope everybody got as much of a kick out of it as I I did. Well, so here's what happened is that we watched the hearing Thursday night, watched the the entire January 6th committee hearing in case you're wondering what hearing are you talking about? <laughs> if you are a listener of this show and not aware of the seismic events that are taking place in our world. Yeah. Well, also, according to Nielsen ratings, uh, almost 20 million people watched the, Jan- right? the January 6th committee I opening heard hearing. That. Yeah. yeah, that's... that's uh, could have been higher. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's. I wonder. It's promising. I you think, know. I wonder. People watched. I wonder what the ratings were for Fox News that night because they didn't play it. Mm-hmm. They they ran it on Fox Business, which gets a fraction of the viewership of the the mother channel. Yeah, yeah. Well, we watched it on Thursday night, and then we took notes, timestamps, everything, so that we could be prepared to get our. Clips for the show and clips for videos. And then what happened is you kind of went a little nutty with your video planning and worked literally all day long on Friday. Like, like you, you did not stop working until like 1030 p.m. Yeah, last and, night. <laughs> and I, you were like stressed and all this was going on, like a lot of energy coming out of you. And so I... Not a low energy, Jeb. No. Like a regular, moderately energetic. Well, I said gem. a lot of energy, like a lot of <laughs> something was going on. And so I didn't want to approach you and say, hey, like we should probably. What are you, a DV victim? Use this opportunity to. Uh, really, DV jokes are really great. So they land really. <laughs> That's great. Um, so if Johnny Depp fan over what, here. What, what uh, am I just a what am I just a, an unhinged psycho who's gonna fly off the handle? Get out of here! Yeah, no. I'm working. Well, you know. Anyway, so I I was I finally went upstairs and I'm like, hey, you know, Sweepy is like sleeping and she's not a Christian. It's the only rage clip I got. Might be a good time to do the show. And you were like, oh, I'm trying to edit these. So anyway, here we are. It's Saturday morning. We're late with the show because Jesse needs to get it together related to organization. That's, hey, and- I'm fine with that. I'll I'll shoulder the blame. Uh huh. If you're too 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 much of a coward. 
to to shoulder the blame. Why we're doing shows in the morning? Not great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So anyway, um, we do have some voicemails and some emails to get to, but but as a, as a as just a preface here to what we're going to get into, it was. I did get some emails and some voicemails um, on the YouTube number of people kind of asking, questioning the strategy of starting with the two, with the cop and and her injuries, and then the documentarian who followed the Proud Boys around. And I I didn't have that same concern. I thought that they did a great job of starting the narrative with the new footage, some of that stuff we'd never seen before, mm-hmm. and a reminder of what took place and the violence that we witnessed. Right. Some people were like, well, they should have started with the Republicans who did the bad stuff and cover up and blah, blah, blah. No, you got to remind people what this whole fucking thing is about. Well, if I had a criticism, it was like this should have just been like an all-nighter. It should have gone all night yeah, <laughs> into the next are, day. People are... People have the attention span of a fucking fruit fly, man. They don't they're not going to stick around for that. Okay, you're right. Then they should have partnered with Netflix, put all of the episodes <laughs> Just on Netflix. Just dump it all at once. Yeah, and then everyone can binge watch it at their own pace. That's not a bad idea. And I think that part of this is, you know, uh, Benny Thompson, the chairman of the committee, went on with Jake Tapper and was talking about, like, one of the things they're going to be illustrating is that the Proud Boys and Oath Keepers were in communication with, like, Trump people. Yes. And Jake Tapper asked again, he's like you're gonna show that and he said yes and so that's something where okay these big moments of reveals of new information i want to see that i want that to happen but they're kind of like dragging it out i i mean i understand they kind of have to do that because they're making their case to the american people and so it needs to be like at a time when most people are off work well, that, that, for me, is the obvious thing about the timing of it, the the, the time that they're doing the hearings. I, Republicans are all over that. Ugh, why aren't they doing it during business hours? Well, it's because they want the American people to see, and people aren't going to take off work. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, is that what Republicans want? They want the economy to be impacted? I mean, get the <laughs> fuck out of here. Yeah. So, anyway, it was, uh, it was fantastic. I mean, you know, it wasn't... Uh, it wasn't uh, some salacious carnival atmosphere. It was respectful and sober, and um, I'm looking forward to the next installments. Yeah, which, of, of and presentation of evidence. Well, and we were just talking about how they are doing it after work, but the next hearing is going to be Monday at 10 a.m. Yeah, and then Wednesday at 10 a.m. and then Thursday at 1 p.m. So it's also kind of strange that like the the times are jumping around and it's not on like any consistent day. It's just kind of when they can, it seems like. Yeah, I don't, I don't, uh, I'm sure there's some kind of a strategy there, but it, it also might just be that uh, they can't get network buy-in mm-hmm. to usurp prime time. Yeah. For this so, we stuff. Ha- so we have an email here from Tom in Seattle. Hi, Jesse, Brittany. Writing while watching Officer Edwards testify, to me, this is linking Trump to all of it. He should be charged and perp walked immediately. I know, wishful thinking. Love the show. Keep up the good work. Tom from Seattle. P.S. Brittany is the best part. Good. Uh, Love the show. There we go. Brittany's the best part. Who's the low Hi. energy Jeb? I am a low energy Jeb today. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, listen, I'm, I mean, I'm all, I'm all over that. I think that uh, I, I would love to see something that's never what we're going to see. Even if Donald Trump does get charged and um, jailed, which, ugh, you know, I, I wish I was very optimistic about that eventuality or possibility. We're not going to see a perp walk. <laughs> that's not going to happen, even if he does get convicted. Mm-hmm. But um, I think that we are going to get closer. I've read some op-eds of people who think that there actually is a a, um, a rising in 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 likelihood chance of of indictments. Mm-hmm. And if if they're listen, they, they laid out a a seven part. Well, she didn't go through it exactly, Liz Cheney. But they're they're they've alluded to a seven part plot by Donald Trump and his henchmen. I mean, really, that's what the fuck it is. I mean, we got Rudy Giuliani as a lawyer. You can consider them henchmen, right? Well, if you look at kind of the main takeaway, I think the the points that they were trying to illustrate is that the actions that Donald Trump took were illegal and wrong. And basically, like, this is a call for Merrick Garland to pay attention. Yes. It's it's about giving American people, giving the American people the information so that they understand what happened, hopefully educate them, encourage them to, to get engaged so that we are not in a situation where uh, Trump or Trump officials or people who are allied with Trump are put into positions of power. Because if that happens again, we're maybe not going to be able to come back from it. Our, our democracy may be over. Yeah. And I think that that's what they are making really clear. And it was very scary to watch the hearing. And I, I would encourage anyone who's able to, to continue to watch the hearings as they progress. Yeah, it was, one, I think it's a great fresh reminder of the violence that was inflicted upon, literal violence that was inflicted upon the, the police officers and the, everybody there at the United States Capitol on the Capitol building itself, but the, but, but figurative violence against our democracy. It, it is shocking. It was shocking when I watched it the first time. And then this new footage that they outlined, um, also equally shocking. Again, it's it's like a, a re-traumatization kind mm-hmm. of a deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you for the email. We appreciate it very much. We do have a couple of voicemails that I'm going to hold off on until next episode uh, because they're not necessarily related to this thing that we're talking about. Because this episode is going to be encompassed entirely by the January 6th House Select Committee's investigation into into the insurrection and the events. And also, you know, the, the, the criminal conspiracy that was entered into by Donald Trump, in my opinion, allegedly, allegedly, um, allegedly, to overtake, to overthrow the United States government by way of overturning a free and fair American election. So it, it, we are absolutely going to be taking your voicemails on next episode, 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. And let's just begin with the first clip from the hearing on Thursday. Bill Barr on election day 2020. He was the attorney general of the United States, the top law enforcement official in the country, telling the president exactly what he thought about claims of a stolen election. Donald Trump had his days in court to challenge the results. 
he was within his rights to seek those judgment. In the United States, law-abiding citizens have those tools for pursuing justice. He lost in the courts, just as he did at the ballot box. And in this country, that's the end of the line. But for Donald Trump, that was only the beginning of what became a sprawling, multi-step conspiracy aimed at overturning the presidential election, aimed at throwing out the votes of millions of Americans, your votes, your voice in our democracy, and replacing the will of the American people with his will to remain in power after his term ended. Donald Trump was at the center of this conspiracy, and ultimately, Donald Trump, the President of the United States, spurred a mob of domestic enemies of the Constitution to march down the Capitol and subvert American democracy. That is a beautiful summation, accurately stated of what took place. And I'm glad that they continue to use the word conspiracy, because this was a criminal conspiracy to overthrow the government by way of overturning the election. Mm-hmm. 81 plus million Americans voted for Joe Biden. We are two of them. Had Donald Trump been able to to have this plot succeed, our votes would have been taken away from us. Absolutely. And one, one thing that they also make very clear in the opening here is that Donald Trump knew. I think there's been a lot of question about whether or not Donald Trump actually believes what he's saying. Like, Does he actually believe that the election was stolen from him? And he, by many people in his inner circle, many people around him, Everyone was reinforcing that this is not the case, that they're going to resign if he keeps saying these things, that they can't be a part of this. And he would say, okay, we'll replace you and we'll get someone who who believes what I'm saying. I don't I don't think that it indicates he actually believes it. I think he was just looking for an opportunity to 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 carry out his ultimate plan and and who knows how long he had been planning to do this or when when this thought actually occurred to him well it was pre-election because we have recording after recording instance after instance after instance of him saying if i lose it will be because it was rigged mm-hmm. he he said that early on in the campaign in the the waning days of his administration prior to the election right so it, the the fix was in with with the Republican Party and with Donald Trump to devise this situation. Well, one of the first things that they did was play a clip of former Attorney General Bill Barr. And, of course, we talked about Bill Barr a lot during his his time. Yeah, Marcus is, uh, from North Carolina's favorite, <laughs> favorite guy. Yes, I remember that. And you may be su- How dare you, sir? You may be surprised to to hear Bill Barr talk so forcefully about how he was not at all a part of any of this. No, just what I I've, I've been through, I've had th- I had three discussions with the president that I can recall. One was on November 23rd, one was on December 1st, and one was on December 14th, and I've been through sort of the give and take of those discussions and in that context I made it clear I did not agree with the idea of saying the election was stolen and putting out this stuff which I told the president was bullshit. And uh 
you know, I didn't want to be a part of it, and that's one of the reasons that went into me deciding to leave when I did. I observed, uh, I think it was on December 1st, that, you know, how can we, you can't live in a world where, where the incumbent administration stays in power based on its view, unsupported by specific evidence, that the election, that there was fraud in the election. I mean, look, good for Bill Barr. Thank you for finally finding the intestinal fortitude to, to tell the truth and, and be be honest about things. I mean, I didn't want to be a part of it. I mean, that was the that's the line that he drew in the sand. Mm-hmm. All the other fucking nonsense <laughs> yeah. that he covered for mm-hmm. was a okay in the mind of Bill Barr. Mm-hmm. This just fucking piece of shit. But this was the line for him days before he would have been out of a job anyway. I mean, it's convenient, but we're glad you're here finally. Yeah, and I I would use this as an opportunity to reinforce that these people don't need to be rehabbed. They don't need to, their their reputations don't need to be rehabilitated in the eyes of the left. Um, I saw an an Atlantic article that was written calling Mike Pence a hero. Oh my God. And let's not go there, okay? Just upholding your constitutional duty, doing the thing that you're supposed to do. Not taking part in the overthrow of the United States government doesn't mean you're a fucking hero. I mean, I know, Jesse, you have issues with uh, the way that hero is used, yes. the, how they how the label is adopted too easily, and the it's uh, a low fucking bar. Yeah, the net is a little too I wide. Mean, listen, if Mike Pence is a hero, the bar is non-existent. There is no fucking bar. Anybody's a hero. Sweepy is a goddamn hero. Well, if Mike Pence is a fucking hero, she's not a hero right now. She won't sit still. So. <laughs> We we definitely want to reinforce that when we say, oh, okay, Bill Barr said the right thing here, that that doesn't mean we're like... All hail Bill Barr. Yeah, Jesse didn't go out and get a Bill Barr tattoo, for example. We're just... No, I actually, I would have to get it... <laughs> I would have to get another one because I had my old one removed. Oh, okay. Yeah. Got it. Big, big Bill Barr fan over here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, not shockingly, one of the large parts of the hearing was um, the participation of Vice Chair Liz Cheney. Republican. Republican. Uh, Well, obviously Republican. Dick Cheney's fucking daughter. And this is another element of... I've seen even her being called a hero. I've seen her, like, Liz Cheney for president. You know, not from, like, Um, liberals. Oh, okay. But (laughs) let's check ourselves. She supported Trump. Yeah, she was lockstep with Donald Trump on all of his damaging anti-humanism policies. Up until the election fraud claims. And that was the line, again, for a lot of people, which, yeah. great, great. I'm glad that you have a line. I'm yeah. glad that was the line for you. you. When there's only weeks left, you finally, oh, this is outrageous. Yes. Great. But also, it's interesting that it's not enough for the Trump Republicans that Liz Cheney at one point was a supporter of Donald Trump. And even um, Adam, Adam Kinzing, Kinzinger. Yeah. Is that how you say his name? Yeah, yeah. So there's two Republicans on the committee, which the goal of that is to have it appear as much as possible as a bipartisan effort. If it was all Democrats up there, it would look like the way Fox News is painting it. 
witch hunt. Yeah, yeah, that it's an attack on Donald Trump, that it's this conspiracy against him. But because there are two Republicans on the committee, that is supposed to give cover, yeah, I and guess. By the way, not liberals. These aren't liberal Republicans. These aren't middle-of-the-road moderate Republicans, if such a thing exists. These are stalwart fascist-leaning and fascist Republicans. Which really says something about how they are not good enough for the Trump Republicans and Fox News, for example, that criticize Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger for being on the committee. Right. So the, the... It wasn't shocking at all, but I'm glad that they're doing it from a strategy standpoint. And that was give Liz Cheney a lot of time to outline the absolute crimes that were committed and the conspiracy that was entered into by Donald Trump. Because when you got a Republican and someone with conservative Republican bona fides like Liz Cheney spelling this out, it's undeniable. It's not like an Adam Schiff or someone who has... Um, been been the, um a bee in the bonnet of Donald Trump for for years. I just said bee in the bonnet, mm-hmm. Brittany Page. Mm-hmm. I think that might be the first time I've ever uttered that phrase. That series <laughs> of words in that order. That might be the very first time. Mm. So anyway, Liz Cheney really was the the star of the evening, laying out the case of the conspiracy. Involving the election. Tonight, I'm going to describe for you some of what our committee has learned and highlight initial findings you will see this month in our hearings. As you hear this, all Americans should keep in fact in mind this fact. On the morning of January 6th, President Donald Trump's intention was to remain President of the United States despite the lawful outcome of the 2020 election and in violation of his constitutional obligation to relinquish power. Over multiple months, Donald Trump oversaw and coordinated a sophisticated seven-part plan to overturn the presidential election and prevent the transfer of presidential power. In our hearings, you will see evidence of each element of this plan. In our second hearing, you will see that Donald Trump and his advisors knew that he had, in fact, lost the election. But despite this, President Trump engaged in a massive effort to spread false and fraudulent information to convince huge portions of the U.S. population that fraud had stolen the election from him. This was not true. So it is undeniable what took place in 2020. And with the benefit of hindsight, we can look back and and see that they were setting the stage for this to be the case early on. Mm -hmm. Um, On YouTube yesterday, I did like a 26 or 27 minute video that out that, that goes through what are the seven, this seven part, what she calls a sophisticated seven part plan. Mm Mm-hmm. The criminal conspiracy, mm-hmm. and it, it involves um, usurping the authority, using the authority of the Justice Department to lie and, and attempt to write letters to, to the, the, the different states in question, the swing states, saying that they should hold off on certifying. It, 
It well, is a sophisticated plan. Let's break down the parts as reported by Jake Tapper. So part part one is Trump repeatedly and aggressively lying to the public, falsely claiming that the 2020 election was stolen from him. Right, which which I will add to. Um, that was a great thread by Jay Tapp, but it started even before the election. So it was the plan was being laid even before the first ballot was cast. Mm-hmm. Part two is the corruption of the Justice Department. So Trump wanted to replace the acting attorney general with, Rosen. with someone who would be loyal to him so Jeffrey that he Clark. could weaponize the DOJ yeah. and use the force of the law to protect his his lies. Yeah. Well, that, that and then Jeffrey Rosen had actually... Uh, Gone to before he it was even in question that he was going to be asked to be the acting attorney general. That never happened because there was a mass exodus threatened by career and appointees at the Justice Department that said, "If you if you if you do this, we're fucking out of here. We're going to do it loudly and publicly." Mm-hmm. Well, and this was also referenced by Liz Cheney, I believe, when she talked about Donald Trump's plan to replace the attorney general so that the Department of Justice would spread his false election claims. And apparently they reported that he said, just say the election was corrupt and leave the rest to me. Leave the rest to me and certain hand-picked congressmen uh, who were going to do his bidding. Mm -hmm. So part three, Trump corruptly and repeatedly pressured Mike Pence to (laughs) violate the Constitution and the law by refusing to count certified electoral votes on January 6th. Yeah. And they didn't, he didn't just, (laughs) he didn't just use methods of pressure. He also said things like, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be your friend anymore (laughs) if you don't do this for me. Yeah. I mean, he went as hard as he went. Even thinking that um, the MAGA idiots at the Capitol had the right idea to hang Mike Pence, but then also, you know, the the interpersonal relationship shit about not wanting to be your friend anymore. Yeah. So part four of the seven part plan, Trump improperly pressured state election officials and legislatures to change their state's election results and undermine the will of the voters in their states by flipping the state from Biden to Trump. Now, this is, we have evidence of this in phone calls. He called the the the, the Georgia chief state um, election investigator, I think her name is Frances Watson or Watkins, and pressured her in a long, rambling phone call. But then also, most notably and most famously, was the long, like over-hour-long phone call with Brad Raffensperger, the secretary of state, who just actually won the primary to again be secretary of state of Georgia pressured him, asking him flatly and plainly, hey, all I need is for you to find me 11,780 votes. That's just one more than we have. That's all I need. That's, and it's pretty fucking plain here what we're, what, what we witnessed. Part five, Trump's team, including his lawyers, told Republicans across the country to manufacture fake slates of electors and send those fake elector slates to the U.S. Congress and the National Archives. And that is exactly what they did in Arizona, in Georgia, in Michigan. All of these states, Pennsylvania, all of the swing states, all of the states that Donald Trump lost, they did this. There were no alternate slate of electors in in Texas or, or, or Florida, not states he won, only the states that he lost. Because again, 
at the very beginning, even before the election, he said, if I lose, the only way I will have lost is if the election was rigged. Mm-hmm. Part six, Trump summoned and assembled a mob of supporters to D.C. and directly told them to march to the U.S. Capitol. He said, I will, I'm going to be there with you. We need to motivate these lawmakers. Yeah. And, you know, what, what is really gross about this is the fact that, like, Scott Perry, who sought a pardon from Donald Trump, one of the pieces of information we did learn from the hearing, um, he's out there, and he's, the only line he repeats from the speech on the ellipse is, we're going to go up there and peacefully, blah, blah, blah. One single time that he said it, Amidst all of the other nonsense, Rudy Giuliani saying, we're going to have trial by combat. But because Donald Trump, the classic way that they do it, he says one thing the correct way, one time, and then 10,000 lies and subterfuge and, 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 and chaos. But they, they're going to focus on the one thing. Well, and this is something that I, I thought the the hearing did really well during the opening statement, which is they played video recordings of Proud Boys and people who have been charged for their participation in the insurrection. They, in their own words, described what brought them to the Capitol. Donald Trump. They there there was one guy. You were playing a clip. I don't know if you have it in here, but I heard when you were you were prepping, and he was saying, well. Donald Trump, he only asked one, two things of me. One, to vote for me. And everything that he's done for me, I owed him the second thing, which was come to Washington. Right. That, that's the refrain you're hearing. So that takes car- care of part six. And part seven is despite the violence against police and in the Capitol, Trump ignored myriad pleas for help and folks begging him to take immediate action to stop the violence and to tell the people to leave the Capitol. He did not for hours do anything. And you're going to hear, I mean, it's not like our audience is going to be taking anything to heart that Republicans say, but you're going to be hearing a lot of Republicans who are saying Donald Trump authorized the, 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 the National Guard, and that is just flatly incorrect. It mm-hmm. is a lie. He did not. In fact, it was Mike Pence who was begging for the, the, the National Guard to be dispatched, and it was Donald Trump who would not do it for hours for hours while the carnage and the mayhem and the chaos, the violence was taking place at the Capitol. So that's the seven parts. That's the conspiracy. And they're going to lay this out over the course of the, the several hearings coming up. The next one, like you said, Brittany, is on uh, on Monday. You'd think that people who are invested in conspiracy theories like QAnon people, like this is actually real. Right interesting government corruption but they don't seem to care about that they only care about the ones that aren't actually happening the fake government corruption (laughs) right but i i can see how someone who's into this kind of stuff might be like excited and interested in this this conspiracy to to steal an election and stay in power when you were voted out i mean why did none of these conspiracy theorists care about this it is it's bizarre to me um i don't i mean listen when they laid this out, and especially with the fake slate of electors, I mean, Rachel Maddow months ago, they, they had uh, an Arizona Republic and, a, and some cameraman out there trying to interview a state legislator who was one of the, the fake electors. And he is, I don't want to, I don't want to talk about this because they were breaking the law. They, they signed under penalty of perjury and they submitted these to the, the, the National uh, Archives and Records Administration as though they were the, they were the official 
delegates, the official electors for the Electoral College, it is, it is fucking with our election. It is absolutely to the detriment of our democracy that they did this, and they did it to reinstall Donald Trump as president, even though he lost by 7 million votes. Yep. It's wild. Ugh. Anyway, so let's move on with the clips. We're rambling here about really good stuff, but still it's rambling. Um, one of the things that was that was dropped, there were a few pieces of new information. I, I mean, some of this may, may, may be new to a lot of you out there because you haven't followed it as religiously or as, as uh, on a day-to-day basis because it's not your job. I get that. But one of the pieces of information that Liz Cheney dropped on the world was that not only Scott Perry sought a pardon, but she says multiple other Republican congressmen went to Donald Trump, went to the White House, and tried to get a pardon for their involvement in overturning the election. Representative Perry contacted the White House in the weeks after January 6th to seek a presidential pardon. Multiple other Republican congressmen also sought presidential pardons for their roles in attempting to overturn the 2020 election. That is a bombshell. That is important information. That multiple other Republican congressmen who had a role. Now, now there's all kinds of articles out there of people postulating who it may be. Mm-hmm. Could it, is, it, is it Paul Gosar? Is it Andy Biggs? Is it Mo Brooks? Is it Matt Gates? We don't know. There, there could be so many people. Yeah. Which we're but, in a really great place in society if, when that's but, the case. If you think about that, though, you don't seek a pardon if you think you're not in danger of criminal conviction. It's not a, well, just in case I want to get a presidential pardon. That's not how it works. So clearly, they know they're in jeopardy. They know what they did was criminal. Otherwise, they wouldn't be seeking a pardon. So that's one thing we need more information on. One thing that we already know is that Donald Trump didn't particularly care about Mike Pence's safety right. during the insurrection, but it went a little bit further, according to Liz Cheney. Something more. And aware of the rioters' chance to hang Mike Pence, the president responded with this sentiment, quote, maybe our supporters have the right idea. Mike Pence, quote, deserves it. That is, I mean, talk about sociopathic. So- uh, un- uncaring about not only the democracy and the safety and security of the United States of America, but that's, that's just inhumane. Well, Not caring about Mike Pence's literal safety is life. Well, and I, I, again, I keep coming back to when are Republicans, like where is that line going to be for them when they hear this information? Yeah. Do they care that a Republican president was this callous and open about how he didn't really care if the Republican vice president was harmed right. physically? Also, look at it from this perspective also. Who was more obsequious and loyal and fawning with his loving, cult-like uh, adoration of Donald Trump than Mike Pence? Mm-hmm. I mean, Mike, uh, Donald Trump puts his, puts his water bottle down, and Mike Pence immediately follows suit. There are, <laughs> there are clip after clip after clip, photo after photo after photo of Mike Pence staring just 
really adoringly at Donald Trump, just like, oh, he's a great man. No one was more loyal to Donald Trump than Mike Pence. And if, if he is able to be thrown away, cast away, his life literally threatened, and Donald Trump supports it, no one's safe. So I don't understand this, this lockstep loyalty to such a coward and just a fucking terrible human being. Well, and another thing that the the hearing did really well is they played this new video mashup of violence at the Capitol, but they did it with timestamps so that you could see various things like Donald Trump's tweets and how that was impacting things in real time at the Capitol. And so in this next clip, you're going to hear uh, a few things that may be hard to follow just audio since you don't have the visual but here's what you need to know is that it's going to start with the timestamp of 2:18 p.m. So this is January 6th, 2020, 2:18 p.m. and then what you're going to hear is Donald Trump tweeting at 2:24 p.m. and then you're going to hear that tweet being read aloud. And then I want you to listen for what happens after these people at the Capitol in real time at the exact moment that Donald Trump tweets about Mike Pence and they read it about Mike Pence? I want you to hear what happens. Without objection, the chair declares the House in recess pursuant to Clause 12B of Rule 1. So that, that guy had a bullhorn mm-hmm. screaming Donald Trump's tweet in real time to the crowd, which before then, there were no calls to Hague Mike Pence because he hadn't yet disobeyed Donald Trump. Fat, heavy air quotes there. Mm-hmm. He hadn't yet chosen to obey the Constitution, abide by his duty as vice president to just certify the votes. Yeah. And then as soon as he chose to defy Donald Trump, in the midst of the violence, Donald Trump tweeted that, the guy reads the tweet, and that's when the chance for Hang Mike Pence started. That's when the chance started, but even hours before that, they were ready for this moment because they had erected a hangman's gallow on the lawn of the United States Capitol. And by the way, I want everyone to remember this clip because we're going to be talking about the way that Tucker Carlson and Laura Ingram, for example, covered this, covered the the January 6th committee hearings. But I want you to remember the report that came out, what was it, a month or two ago, uh, with texts to Mark Meadows from various Fox News hosts, including Sean Hannity, Laura Ingram. And at the time that this was happening at the Capitol, Laura Ingram, for example, was texting Mark Meadows that the president needs to tell people to go home. This is hurting all of us. He's destroying his legacy. Right. They knew when they were watching the insurrection that this was not good. And yet, today, if you listen to them, it's something that doesn't matter. It's unimportant. 
it isn't as bad as everyone is making it out to be. So they're flat out lying. Yeah. And they know how bad it was because they heard the same audio and they watched the same video that everyone else is watching. So when you hear the chants of hang Mike Pence after they read Donald Trump's tweet into a microphone, they know. Yeah. And you know that they know. So it, it's it's alarming that Fox News has so many viewers that they can manipulate millions of people. It's really scary to think. It is amazing to me that there is such lack of character on the part. I mean, the depths to which they have no character is what's shocking. I know that they're they're character free, but really, it's it's it goes beyond that. It's like. Star Wars villain level of bullshit because like Kevin McCarthy is talking a big game right after. Oh, he's responsible. He bears responsibility. We need a censure resolution. All of this. We need a fact finding commission to get to the bottom of what the, what took place. And then uh, apparently maybe in the moment he did think it was a spontaneous thing. And then it seems now that he learned, oh shit, there was a criminal conspiracy. Oh no, no, no. Now we need to cover for the party because everybody's in lockstep with Donald Trump except for literally two people, yeah, Adam Kinzinger and Liz Cheney. So I think that this opening statement from the January 6th committee at this hearing was something to kind of entice the American people. And I've seen uh, criticism of including Ivanka Trump, almost like it was um, too reality TV-esque, Right. Like it's they're trying to tantalize the American people to watch. But isn't that kind of what you have to do? Like you need to make it interesting. You need to make it uh, exciting so that people want to watch it. Yeah. And what's more exciting than seeing these uh, grifters get up on video and have to fumble through walking a very tight rope of not getting themselves in trouble, but also not pissing off the daddy Warbucks. Yeah. Not having Donald Trump turn on you, which we'll read Donald Trump's reaction on truth social after (laughs) we hear from Ivanka Trump at the committee hearing. Many of president Trump's white house staff also recognized that the evidence did not support the claims president Trump was making. This is the president's daughter commenting on Bill Barr's statement that the department found no fraud sufficient to overturn the election. How did that affect your perspective about the election when Attorney General Barr made that statement? It affected my perspective. Um, I respect Attorney General Barr. Um, So I accepted what he was saying. (laughs) So not... Not as forceful as uh, Bill Barr, (laughs) but getting there, getting there. She's getting there. Donald Trump wrote on Truth Social the day after the the committee hearings. I I love that he called her by her first and last name. (laughs) Yeah. We wouldn't know who he was talking about otherwise. Ivanka Trump was not involved in looking at or studying election results. She had long since checked out and was, in my opinion, only trying to be respectful to Bill Barr and his position as attorney general. Parenthetically, he sucked. Ex-president of the United States of America, Donald Trump. Parenthetically, he sucked. I mean, this is like an octogenarian. Is he 80? Not yet, no. Uh, Talking like this. Yeah. It's very strange. Can you imagine? I mean... Is he really not 80 yet? No, he's not. He's like 70, maybe 75, maybe 75. Hang on a minute. Hey, Siri. 
How old is Donald Trump? 75. I got it before you. Donald Trump is 75 years old. 75. He's 75, Brittany. Yeah, so his birthday is in three days. Oh, how exciting. How exciting for him. They don't want to have... So he'll be 76? He'll be 76. Oh, on, shit. He is, he is older than I thought. On then. June 14th, he will be 76 years old. So this is his reaction to Ivanka Trump that she had checked out. She doesn't actually know what she's talking about because she was checked out and yeah, wasn't yeah, really yeah. involved. Now, Don, uh, Bill Barr, on the other hand, was weak and frightened. He's a coward. Right. He remember, went remember he harder also, at him. Remember also Donald Trump was going to pick all the best people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, he had two attorneys general. I mean, there were some acting individuals, but two, Jeff Sessions, who also was just a worthless piece of shit after he was gone, and Bill Barr. So you got to give right. him one thing, is that on Truth Social, he's not moving away from calling it a rigged and stolen election. He's continuing with that, but he says the so-called, quote-unquote, rush on the Capitol was not caused by me. It was caused by a rigged and stolen election. Right. Also, keep in mind... The the seismic shift from remember the days following the insurrection when Donald Trump came out and they had obviously written him a speech denouncing the violence and if you if if you were there you're not a MAGA person you're not a uh, law and order person you're not a part of this movement we no 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 and now it's the complete opposite he's in in in, in total support of what they did making excuses. For what they did. Now, let's not forget that Ivanka Trump was present at the Stop the Steal rally on January 6th and that she also continued to travel with Donald Trump in the weeks following uh, as he was continuing to give these presentations and make these appearances saying that the election was stolen. She also tweeted on the day when the violence was taking place, called these people patriots. Right. In a sense, I think, deleted tweet. So again, let's not give these people too much credit. We know that a lot of what is happening in the in their testimony is simply trying to cover their own ass and prevent themselves from getting in trouble. And as part of that, covering their own ass and trying to, to muddy the narrative and the truth about what took place, Fox News decided they weren't going to cover it. Fox Business did cover it, uh, a network that gets millions and millions and millions fewer viewers per night. That That's where they covered it. Instead, they they went with their normal white supremacy lineup with Tucker Carlson and, and Laura Ingram. And Tucker Carlson, not only did he not play the hearing, he had a white nationalist on, Darren Beatty, and didn't even run commercials for the entire hour in fear that if he ran commercials, people would click over and see what was happening at the hearing. Good evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson. You know, it tells you a lot about the priorities of our ruling class that the rest of us are getting yet another lecture about January 6th tonight from our moral inferiors, no less. An outbreak of mob violence, a forgettably minor outbreak by recent standards that took place more than a year and a half ago, but they've never stopped talking about it. In the meantime, in the 18 months since January 6th, gas prices have doubled. Drug ODs have reached their highest point ever. The U.S. economy is now careening toward a devastating recession at best. And scariest and least noted of all, this country has never in its history been closer to a nuclear war. Yet the other networks cannot be bothered to cover any of that tonight. Instead, they've interrupted their regularly scheduled programming to bring you yet another extended primetime harangue from Nancy Pelosi and Liz Cheney about Donald Trump and QAnon. 
The whole thing is insulting. In fact, it's deranged, and we're not playing along. This is the only hour on an American news channel that will not be carrying their propaganda live. They are lying, and we are not going to help them do it. What we will do instead is to try to tell you the truth. We've attempted to do that since the day this happened. We hated seeing vandalism at the U.S. Capitol a year and a half ago, and we said so at the time. But we did not think it was an insurrection because it was not an insurrection. It was not even close to an insurrection. Vandalism. That's what took place at the Capitol. A minor outbreak of violence. Thousands of people inundated the Capitol, stormed the Capitol in a violent insurrection. They attempted to overturn, to stop the certification in a bid to overturn the election so they could overthrow the United States government. It wasn't vandalism, you fucking mook. Furthermore, all of this about, oh, nuclear war and record inflation, why are they not covering this from the guy who is bitching about not getting a boner because they put different shoes on an (laughs) M&M or that Minnie Mouse is in a pantsuit. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God, this is the guy who's saying the media isn't covering the important things. Get the fuck out of here, you goddamn moron. Uh, As if he's actually going to inform people about policies that could benefit the overdose crisis, for example. Like he mentioned, overdoses are off the charts. Yeah, and what what do you care? You're not going to propose policy that would actually make a difference. You support puritanical drug war policies. Right. no one needs to hear from you on that issue. But, of course, the the reason that this is important is because it could be the end of our democracy, which seems like the all-encompassing issue that everyone should be caring, caring about. And that is why these networks carried the, the hearing, because it is important. It is the most important thing right now. I even see people, and this isn't a both sides thing, but I see people who are on our team who are probably slightly farther left than us um, who are complaining as well Mm -hmm. about, well, we need to focus on these other things. Listen, if we lose our country, if Republicans gain control again, don't come whining about the fact that uh, we should have done more because if we can't secure our democracy, none of the other shit matters. If Republicans gain control and fix our democracy in a way that they never lose control, What do you think they're going to do about climate change? What do you think they're going to do about abortion? What do you think they're going to do about LGBTQ rights? Mm -hmm. Let's keep our eye on the fucking ball here, folks. Well, and I think that's been another comment I've seen is like, what's the point of this? What are the actual consequences going to be? Are there finally going to be consequences for Donald Trump? And I think the point of it is, is to try to get the information out to the American people so that there's a factual record of events and that we know what happened. Now, the hope is that, yes, Donald Trump will receive consequences and that something will be done. But I think there's a benefit in simply getting the information out and informing the American people about what happened, even if what we hope with the consequences doesn't come. I mean, ultimately, I agree 100%. As much it's going to really be salve for my soul to watch Donald Trump um, arrested, indicted, put through the ringer, find some consequence. Safeguarding our democracy is absolutely the most important aspect of this. And the eventuality that I'm seeking is to make sure that this never happens again and to remove from power those who did 
enact it. So Tucker Carlson wasn't the only one minimizing what happened on January 6th. Of course, Laura Ingram took to her program to minimize it as well. How does a guy putting his feet up on Nancy Pelosi's desk put democracy at risk? Uh, I Again. Mean, talk about the, the laziest fucking argument. What it tells me is just how little they think of their audience. Their audience they know are so fucking stupid that they'll buy that. Like, yeah, well, that makes a lot of sense to me. Only do. Why that guy got his feet up? That's not an insurrection. And then last night, or I'll turn that off. Last night on, on Tucker Carlson's show, he actually went as far as to say that they there were no guns there. there therefore, it, it's not an insurrection. They're really grasping at straws to to, to try to... Rewrite the narrative. Yeah, I like that line that that you said about they don't respect whatever you said. I'm tired, remember? And um, <laughs> the, that uh, they're not going to, like, extrapolate the logic out and think, okay, uh, how did he, like, get in there to put his feet up on Nancy Pelosi's desk? Like, I mean, was he invited in? There's huh. a lot of things that, that, that would, would happen that day that don't equal insurrection. Well, look at that guy. He's just walking on the sidewalk. That's right. not an insurrection. Right. Look, he's wearing a hat. That's not an insurrection. Yeah, they're just taking a tour. They forced their way in for a self-guided <laughs> tour. Yeah, cops lost fingers. It, Pe- people, people died. Yeah, I mean, it is. It, there was insane violence on the level of, like, warfare. Hand-to-hand combat took place for hours. It wasn't a, oh, one dude put his feet up, yerka derka der. Yeah, and the, these comments from people who are the Blue Lives Matter crowd as well. And and of course... Which, by the way, is just mwah, rich. A reminder that Laura Ingram texted Mark Meadows on January 6th and said, Mark, the president needs to tell people in the Capitol to go home. This is hurting all of us. He is destroying his, his legacy. legacy. Yeah. Anyway... We would love to know, did you watch this? What are your thoughts? What would you like to add to this conversation? 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Taking care of biz. Uh, gymnasts, Simone Biles, Michaela Maroney, Ali Raisman, many, many other gymnasts are taking care of biz today because they have filed a claim against the FBI yes. for failing to act on Larry Nasser. Larry Nasser, of course, is the doctor who is convicted of sexually abusing many, many girls and sent to prison. Uh, one thing that, that didn't happen here is that it didn't happen soon enough. There, there were actions that were not taken soon enough, and the gymnasts alleged that the FBI knew that Larry Nasser was abusing girls and that they failed to take the necessary action to prevent more girls from being harmed. And they're suing the FBI, get ready for it, for a billion dollars. A group of U.S. Olympic gymnasts and dozens of other women who say former Team USA doctor Larry Nassar abused them, now filing a more than $1 billion in claims against the FBI. Their lawyers are arguing the agency knew back in 2015 about reports of abuse involving the sports doctor, but that they failed to act. 
Dr. Nasser has pleaded guilty to several sex abuse charges. He's now serving decades in prison. Attorneys filed the claims today. They come two weeks after the FBI decided not to charge two former FBI agents accused of mishandling this very investigation. Simone Biles, Allie Raisman, and Michaela Maroney from Team USA are among the dozens of women filing claims against the agency. Lawsuits could follow, depending on the FBI's response. A group of 13 others filed a separate suit in April. In a statement, Maroney wrote, My fellow survivors and I were betrayed by every institution that was supposed to protect us. The U.S. Olympic Committee, USA Gymnastics, the FBI, and now the Department of Justice. It is clear that the only path to justice and healing is through the legal process. Here's NBC's Jay Gray. They are Olympic superstars and survivors. No one at FBI, USAG, or the USOPC did what was necessary to protect us. We have been failed, and we deserve answers. Now, they're demanding answers. 91 women and girls sexually abused by former USA Gymnastics team Dr. Larry Nasser have filed claims for more than a billion dollars against the FBI, saying agents mishandled or ignored key evidence during their investigation, allegations they outlined during a Senate hearing late last year. Nasser found more than 100 new victims to molest. It was like serving innocent children up to a pedophile on a silver platter. In the same hearing, FBI Director Christopher Wray, who wasn't leading the agency at the time, acknowledged mistakes in the case. The kinds of fundamental errors that were made in this case in 2015 and 16 should never have happened, period. One agent was fired, another retired. Still, neither has faced criminal charges. The FBI now has six months to reach a settlement with the gymnast or deny the claims, which would clear the way for a lawsuit to be filed. For the news, I'm Jay Gray. So Jay Gray there just explained my dumb fuckery when I called it a lawsuit. It's They're filing claims, and then if those claims are denied, then they can file a lawsuit. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, lawsuit, and I'm like, ah. Ah, uh, they're calling it a claim. You're immediately texting me during the clip, like, you're a dumb fuck! That's that's not what my that's text... That's what I read. Okay, well, that's on, <laughs> that's on you. That's on you. So, listen, uh, good for them. This is taking back their power, and I hope, I fucking hope, that they get every single penny that is owed them, which is, in my estimation, the billion dollars. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. They were They were kids... And their abuse was ignored, not only by coaches and people who were financially invested and, and stood to, to profit off of their talent and ability, but also our government. Mm-hmm. The Federal Bureau of Investigation, law enforcement people, look the other fucking way. Fuck them. They deserve this money. Yes, absolutely. Anyway, we love you guys. That's going to be it for today. We'd love to hear from you about these or any other topics that you have in mind. We will be back with a regularly scheduled, regular episode that is not solely focused on one particular thing next time. Until then, for Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollimore, and this has been I Doubt It.